Hello, thank you for visiting the podcast of the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you haven't already, feel free to visit our audio archive at vineyardcampbellsville.org or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. And now here is this week's message brought to you by Senior Pastor Adam Russell. But now let's move on to Amos. This is the second message I have out of Amos, and this will be the last one. I wanted to do two weeks on this. Going to uh, really read a big, long passage this morning out of Amos chapter 5. And this is really a passage I think is sort of the heart of the Amos message. And before we read that, I want to say this again this morning, that Amos is another book in the Bible that that is carrying this this, this consistent biblical theme of speaking from the bottom. And what I mean by that is, oftentimes we assume that power is happening from the top, but biblically speaking, it's often happening from the bottom. The Bible is written mostly by people who are on the bottom on behalf of other people who are on the the bottom. So we have to read it that way. Uh, The other thing we have to realize is when we read books like Amos or or books like Exodus, that uh, we need to hear it with very unique, special, and humble ears because we are people at the top. By and large, everybody in this room is a person at the top. So when we, hear, when we hear the scripture, especially a lot of the prophets and even a good portion of the New Testament, it's written by people on the bottom, four other people on the bottom. And we're people who are mostly on the top. And even though uh, Heather and I oftentimes still have like financial struggles and all that sort of stuff, let me just tell you guys, we're rich. We're rich. That's just all there is to it. And so we have to hear it with different ears. You know what I'm saying? I think this is really important. It's difficult to do, but God's teaching us how to do that. So we're listening with, we're trying to listen with humble ears. And uh, here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about the two wings of righteousness. The two wings of righteousness, and before I say anything else, we probably ought to just define the terms. Define the terms. What is righteousness? Well, righteousness in some ways is a stuffy Bible word that almost has no meaning now. Almost has no meaning uh, because it's only ever used in religious contexts. And it's been used for so long, it's almost crystallized into into stained glass. And, And sometimes you need to throw a rock through those windows. But here's essentially what righteousness means. It means right living with God and with people. That's what righteousness is. It's being right with God and it's being right with people. And so what I want to talk to you this morning is, I want to talk to you about the two wings of righteousness. And so let's just develop this idea or this theme for a moment. And I want you to imagine a bird with one wing, right? Imagine a bird with one wing. Uh, That bird would be a curiosity. It, It would probably... It would probably get some looks. Um, it would probably get some sympathy as well. Uh, and, and most likely that bird would end up in a zoo. Or it might go to a research center. But one thing that is absolutely for certain is this. That bird would never fly. Right? You, you need two wings for flight. Uh, you can't even fly in a circle. Sometimes people use this image and go, Well, you know, if you only have one wing, you'll fly in a circle. And it's like... Uh, no, you obviously don't understand how flight works, brother. No, you won't fly in a circle. You'll stay on the ground is what you'll do. You might end up in a research center. You might end up in a zoo. But the one thing that bird will never do is fly. 
Uh, liftoff isn't just left or right. Liftoff is reserved for left and right working together. Now, this isn't a new idea here at the Vineyard. Um, somehow, we're beginning to learn a little bit about the fact that life is not either or. A lot of times, we're, we're, we're tempted to assume that life is either or. Uh, Political systems want to push us into either or. Uh, economic systems want to push us into either or. Um, not only that, but I, I'm convinced that, that the modern technological age, which is a binary system, computers and code are written with ones and zeros, which is either or. I think it's tempting us to, 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 to basically uh, actualize life in either or. And we're learning at the Vineyard not to do that, but to hold things that seem to be in conflict together because paradox is where the life of the Spirit is. We're learning slowly at the Vineyard how to value both and thinking. And this morning's text is no different. This is not either or. This is both and. Now, uh, this is why I'm calling it the two wings of righteousness. Because here's why. Righteousness is never just left, and righteousness is never just right. It's the two working into context, into concert together. Read the text. That's what my note says. I'm putting words together. All right, so what's what we want to do? We want to read the text this morning. It's going to be a little bit long. It's going to be a little bit long. But that's okay. Ah, got it. Boom. That was my fault. I forgot to turn the clicker on. I apologize. All right. Hey, this is what Amos says. And I want you to hear. I want, this is what I want you to listen for in the passage as a whole. I want you to listen for righteousness, but the two wings of righteousness. Right with God, but also right with people. All right. This is what Amos says. Now, this is what the Lord says to the family of Israel. Come back to me and live. Don't worship at the pagan altars at Bethel. Don't go to the shrines at Gilgal or Beersheba, for the people of Gilgal will be dragged off into exile and the people of Bethel will be reduced to nothing. Come back to the Lord and live. Otherwise, he will roar through Israel like a fire, devouring you completely. Your gods in Bethel won't be able to quench the flames. You twist justice, making it a bitter pill for the oppressed. Reflect back to last week's talk. You treat the righteous like dirt. It is the Lord who created the stars, the Pleiades and the Orion. He turns darkness in the morning and day into night. He draws up the water from the oceans and he pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. With blinding speed and power, he destroys the strong, crushing all their defenses. How you hate honest judges. How you despise people who tell the truth. You trample the poor. Stealing their grain through taxes and unfair rent. Therefore, you build beautiful stone houses, but you will never live in them. Though you plant lush vineyards, you will never drink wine from them. For I know the vast number of your sins and the depths of your rebellions. You oppress good people by taking bribes and deprive the poor of justice in the courts. Those who are smart keep their mouths shut, for it is an evil time. This seems like really current, doesn't it? It's good advice. Some of us need to make Amos chapter 5, verse 13, their life verse. Put that on a sticky note and paste it to your mirror. Verse 14. Do what is good and run from evil so that you may live. Then the Lord God of heaven's armies will be your helper. Just as you have claimed. Hate what is evil and love what is good. 
turn your courts into true halls of justice. Perhaps even yet, the Lord God of heaven's armies will have mercy on the remnant of his people. Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of heaven's army says. There will be crying in all the public squares and mourning in every street. Call the farmers to weep with you and summon professional mourners to wail. Yes, there were professional mourners. There will be wailing in every vineyard for I will destroy them all, says the Lord. What sorrow awaits you, you say, you who say, if only the day of the Lord was here. You have no idea what you're wishing for. The day will bring darkness, not light. And in that day, you'll be like a man who runs from a lion only to meet a bear. Escaping from the bear, he leans his hand against the wall in his house and he's bitten by a snake. Dang. (laughs) Bad day. Yes, this is what the day of the Lord will be. Dark and hopeless without a ray of joy or hope. I hate all your show and pretense. This is where it gets serious. Now listen to this. I hate all your show and pretense, the hypocrisy of your religious festivals and your solemn assemblies. I hate them. I will not accept your burnt offerings and grain offerings. I won't even notice your choice peace offerings. Away with your noisy hymns of praise. Get it out. I will not listen to the music of your harps. Instead, I want to see a mighty flood of justice and an endless river of righteous living. Strong. Really strong. Yes, 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 yes. Here's what this morning's text does. It illuminates the right wing and the left wing of righteousness. On the one side, what we have is treating people honestly and fairly, what we might call doing justice. But I hope you notice that in last week's reading and in this week's reading, that doing justice is really concerned with looking out for the poor. That's what it really is. But then on the other side, we have loving God, worshiping Him with gladness and thanksgiving. You've probably heard other people talk about uh, that faith in God has to be horizontal, like to one another, but then it also has to be vertical to him. The two wings of righteousness are the collision of our horizontal lives, horizontal lives with our vertical lives. Yes, I speak for a living. And here's what I, here's what I believe, and this is what I think the text is illuminating. It's this, that when we get the right wing of righteousness to move in concert with the left wing of righteousness, the church gets lift off. That's how we get lift off. Uh, When we get those two things beating in concert, we soar. And here's what I mean by soaring. I mean four different things. If we, if we love God, right. And if we, and if we look out for the poor, we can experience this, these four things in terms of soaring. Number one, uh, we experience heavenly places. How many of you understand that if you're a bird, you fly and you go into higher places? Uh, and this, this, means, this means making our way experientially into the loftier realms of God's goodness and glory. This means, if I can put it this way, this means mystical experiences. Uh, a lot of times in the church, we assume that, that uh, knowing God is an intellectual reality. Knowing God is somewhat intellectual, but it is not just intellectual. Knowing God is meant to be experiential. And the church as a whole, 
uh, and throughout church history knows that, that knowing God can never be reduced to intellectual systematic theology. It must be an experience. And one of the surest ways to experience God is to worship him and take care of the poor. And you can't do one or the other. Uh, the real lofty realms of God's goodness and glory only come in concert. So experiencing heavenly places. Uh, Secondly, acquiring godly vision. If you soar, you can acquire godly visions. Uh, birds in flight have great perspective and vision. They can see what's happening at a greater distance. Uh, one of the ways that our church can always be a church of, of, of vision, and uh, I would even throw into that, uh, have a prophetic edge, and to see things as they really are, not as how we assume they are, and maybe even see what's next. I think that for us to be that kind of church, we have to be a church that, that loves God, but then is looking out for the poor. Together. Those things have to be together. Thirdly, um, we can experience, uh, from this kind of soaring, the safety of being out of reach from deadly en- enemies. Uh, birds are safest when they're in the air and they are most, most vulnerable when they're on the ground. And by the way, when I talk about safety, uh, what I don't mean here is lack of worldly trouble. Uh, sometimes in charismatic meetings, you get the idea that if you just do the right things with God, you'll have no trouble. Uh, that is not true. That is not true. Uh, Jesus always did the right thing and he got killed. Just keep putting that back into your theology, Okay. <laughs> Sometimes if you do the right thing, you, you, it doesn't always end up in the, in the short term good. It will in the long term. God is working all things to good. But what I don't mean here when I say safety, I don't mean lack of worldly trouble. Here's what I do mean. I mean, I mean we, we can soar beyond the danger that exists in thinking that power, position, and wealth uh, mean one thing, only, discover, only to discover either in this life or the next that all of those things were quite the opposite of what we naturally assumed. We, we can escape the danger of being a ruined person. How do we escape the danger of being a ruined person? Loving God. Loving God, loving God, and looking out for the poor. That's how we can escape being a ruined person. And the fourth thing we can experience from soaring is this. Uh, We can experience the exhilaration of flight. I've never flown. People can't fly. But I have been in planes. And there's something about liftoff. And I've, I've flown a ton in the last seven years. I've flown a ton. I've flown so much that, like, I don't even want to get on planes anymore. However... The one thing that is still amazing to me, it's that moment when you feel that giant plane, like that last wheel come off the ground. And you know, I know how the plane always does that, that little, huh, and then you just feel it go up. And every single time there's just this exhilaration. I, I think there's some exhilaration when the two wings of righteousness beat in union. There, there's something there that's, that's got some juice on it. And I'm not just talking about momentary excitement either. You know, um, the longer that I live in church, uh, the, the less I put value in, in things like momentary excitement. Like, we may have some great meetings. Hey, no one's arguing for worse meetings. We may even have some big meetings. No one's, no one's arguing for smaller and tinier and less significant meetings. But, but shooting everything that we have towards having an exhilarating moment is really not what I'm into anymore. However, I do believe that treating the poor with justice and loving God rightly, I believe that there's a buzz and I think there's a hum and that that's more than momentary excitement it's when things are balanced and right you ever notice that when sometimes things in your life are just balanced and right and maybe nothing amazing is happening but there's this hum in it 
You're like, oh my gosh, I just got into the sweet spot. Or maybe, maybe you grew up and you played a little baseball. And, and most of the time, uh, when you make contact with that ball, uh, you know, you're hitting it slightly at the top of the bat or slightly at the bottom. And the ball's you know, a hard grounder or maybe it's, uh, maybe it's popping up. You, you didn't get great contact. But sometimes, sometimes you, you see it. You see the fastball. You see the seams. And you put the fattest part of that bat onto that ball. And, it, and, and your efforts are exponentially multiplied. And that ball just... Anybody ever done that? Come on, people. You've batted. There's, I'm not even a baseball guy, and I've done that. When you, there's something about hitting the sweet spots where all of our efforts are multiplied rather than divided. And, and, and this doesn't, and again, I just want to underline this. This doesn't mean there's going to be a walk in the park either. When I'm talking about exhilaration, I'm not necessarily talking about easy. Uh, how many of you understand that a bird, when it's flying, uh, it, has to, it has to put in a great deal of effort just to get off the ground? So the, it's like the kingdom of heaven doesn't mean it's just going to be easy. There's a lot of effort that gets exerted into getting into the air. And eventually that bird has to return it to the ground. But doing the work of justice for the least and the lost and loving God and worshiping him on the other side, that gives the church liftoff. And I'm just convinced it's the only way. So let me sum up what Amos has said both last week and this week. I'll just put it like this. And I think this is a word for a church like the venue. Here's what Amos is saying. No amount of worship, no amount of worship can ever make up for treating people poorly. That's the word of an, that's the word in Amos. Uh, no, no amount of, no amount of doing worship well makes up for not looking out for the poor. Remember that last bit of, that we read there in Amos? I hate your festivals and your solemn assemblies. Please quit singing your hymns of praise. Yeah, God says, I hate worship that isn't also connected to compassion and mercy for the least and the lost. It's one of the things that God hates. There's a guy in the vineyard, his name is David Roos. Some of you guys know David Roos, right? I'm working on getting him to come here next year. David's amazing. David is one of the patron saints in the vineyard. That's what I call him anyway. David's a longtime worship leader and pastor and speaker in the vineyard. And he's always had a real heart for the poor. And one of the questions that David is always asked or put in front of the vineyard as a worshiping movement, and especially in front of vineyard worship leaders, is this question. Is God listening? Okay, we're singing, but is God listening? And what he means by the question, is God listening, is this. He means, is our worship being heard by God? Which means this, is there a justice component in our life? Because it seems that for worship to be heard, there has to be justice present. That's what God says in Amos. I don't like your songs unless you're looking out for the poor. No amount of right worship can ever, ever cover up how we actually treat people. That's it. See, here's the thing, Vineyard. We can never, we can never worship in song or Bible reading or prayer or preaching good enough to make up for treating the least and the lost in our community poorly. 
Now, here's what I know about our church. Um, I know that no one here is a kingpin oppressor. <laughs> I, I think I know pretty much everyone here. Not quite, but just about. Pretty connected. And one of the things I know about our church is that you guys are not like running sweatshops and going to prostitutes. And that's good. <laughs> We don't have to deal with that. But this is where we have to hear what the Spirit is saying. This is where we have to hear what the Spirit is saying. Like, even when we're doing pretty good, we have to be able to listen to that thing that the Spirit is always saying that's leading us to the next place. You know? it's the Jesus tells that parable one time, you know, where the two guys are in praying, and, he's, and the one guy's like, oh, Lord, would you forgive me? I'm a sinner, right? And the other guy's like, well, praise the Lord, I'm not like him. And it's easy to be like the one guy. It's easy to be like the guy who who thinks we got it all together. But maybe we don't. Maybe we don't. And this theme that we see in Amos is is like remarkably consistent all the way through the Bible. I I like how Micah puts it. Micah says it like this. He says, should we bring the Lord burnt offerings and should we bow down before God most high with offerings of yearling calves? Read for that worship, right? Should we offer him thousands of rams and send 10,000 rivers of olive oil? Should we sacrifice our firstborn children to pay for our sins? Again, this is all worship stuff, right? No, O people. The Lord has told you what is good and what he requires of you. Do what is right. Love mercy. Walk humbly. And I hope you notice that in that passage that, that these themes are being brought together again. When, a, when Micah talks about loving mercy, what he's talking about is showing mercy to other people, right? You, you, you can't show mercy to God. God needs no mercy. And you can't show mercy to your superiors, can you? No, you show mercy to people who are the least and the lost. That's who. It's the down and out. But then, but then at the same time, he's, got, he's also saying that you, you have to love God. You, you, can't, just, you can't just go on a so, social cause with, and, and then lose your heart for God in there too. You, you, can't, just, you can't just love the poor and, and forget the Lord. And by the way, there are certain people who have, who have tried to love the poor and in some ways forgot the Lord. And you can't do that either. You'll be a bird who, who, who maybe becomes a zoo animal, a curiosity, but you'll never get lift off. This is what Jesus says in Matthew 22. God comes up to him and says, Teacher, what's the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus says, You've got to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, your soul, and your mind. It's the first and greatest commandment. And the second one is just important. Love your neighbor as yourself. It's loving God and loving people. And some of us are like, Okay, Loving your neighbor. But man, the trouble with the word neighbor on Jesus' lips is that it's a really difficult word. Who's my neighbor? Right? Who's my neighbor? And then in 1 John chapter 2. 
the apostle says this, if anyone claims I'm living in the light, but he hates a fellow believer, that person's still living in darkness. You see, it's just over and over and over. That's the Christian life. You have to love God and you have to somehow love people. And it seems to me that we oftentimes lean towards one or the other. And, he, and here's the deal. Here's actually what it's easier to do. It's actually oftentimes way easier to hide behind loving God. As odd as that sounds. It is always easier to hide behind the appearance of loving God. It's easier to appear that you love God than it is easier to appear that you love people. It's just, it is consistently and remarkably true. It's easier to appear as someone who loves God. You can read your your Bible, you can pray in public, you can be the one who speaks up for God. You can put your hands up in worship and you can sing the loudest. But loving people is oftentimes way more difficult, especially the people who are at the bottom. It's easier to put a worship song on in our bedroom and it's easier to read the Bible alone. Those are things I've actually discovered. But all of those things are supposed to bend us toward and lead us toward loving others. Because here's the thing. The others are the ones that God loves. If for no other reason, then they contain His image. And here's the thing, church. There's a part of God that you and I will never know until we learn to love the people around us. Because hidden inside of every person is the unique imprint of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. There's a part of God that will never be known from Bible reading alone. There's a part of God that will never be known in Scripture reading alone or in lifting our hands and singing Sammy and Jeremy Riddle songs. It'll never be known. There's a part of God that can only be known in the face of the people around us, but then especially in the face of the people at the bottom. And here's why it's always, almost always, especially in the face of the people at the bottom, because Jesus is always the guy at the bottom. He's always the guy at the bottom. And we might be thinking, well, what about the poor? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, here's the thing. Mo- most of us here, not, not everybody, because we're, we're a ragtag group here. Uh, m- most of us here are living rather stable lives. And thank God. Uh, but here's the thing. Most of us here are pretty separated from the poor. There's not much contact. Uh, maybe, maybe we don't have any contact with the poor. Um, uh, um, and maybe this too, uh, maybe we don't have any contact with African Americans or maybe we don't have any contact with gay people or maybe we don't have any contact with Democrats or Republicans or whoever or whatever is really different from you. And here's the thing, in order to see the wings of righteousness beat in concert, both here and in our personal lives, we really need engagement with the other. If you're a hardcore Republican, you need engagement with Democrats. And if you are straight as an arrow, you need a gay friend or two. And if you are white and all of your friends are white and your family is white, you need an African-American friend or six or ten. And if you are radically stable, and if you are a part of that group of people in our country that mostly is not concerned about money and you don't have to worry about groceries or lights or anything else, you need contact with the very bottom. You need contact with the poor. I need contact with the poor. Jesus says in Luke chapter 6, verse 32, he says, if you only love those who love you, 
Why should get any credit for that? Even sinners love those who love him. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get any credit? It's, it's, see, the gospel is always reaching out to the other. The spirit is always leading us towards what seems to be most unlike us. That's, that's how the spirit works. The spirit doesn't allow us to get isolated in little Christian ghettos of sameness. God's spirit is always working towards the different and the other. This is why Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. See, Paul was a Jew, and he grew up not just a Jew, but he was like a super Jew. And he was taught by the best Jews. And he was, he, he was circumcised on the eighth day, and he, was a, a, he probably had the most, if not all, of the Old Testament memorized. He certainly had the first five books of the Torah memorized. Uh, he was a pro in every single way when it comes to being a Jew. And he meets Jesus. Jesus knocks him off his donkey, makes him blind. And after he gets his sight back, Jesus sends him to a church basically in Damascus for a good bit. And then they lay hands on him in Antioch and they send him out and he becomes an apostle. Not to Jews. He never really had much success with Jews. He only had success with the uncircumcised Gentiles, uh, the people that he was trained and groomed and grown up to dislike and to separate from. And Bible, by the way, he had Bible verses for all of his opinions. And God says, nope, you can't do that. You, you, you can't do that. The Spirit is always leading us out of what we came from and into the other. Whatever the other is, you know. That's what, that's what Paul did. Uh, Peter, he was the apostle to the Jews, but Peter was the apostle to the Jews. But he had a major, major Gentile moment. The truth is, you and I are here this morning because Peter had a vision that said, Pete, wake up and eat, right? All these unclean. Remember the vision of the unclean animals? And he goes to Cornelius' house, who was a Roman soldier, and everybody ends up getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and baptized in water. And that's because a Jew went and hung out with some Gentiles that he never would have done that with before. The Spirit is always leading us to the other. And Acts also records that Philip was out and about one day, and he hears an Ethiopian reading the book of Isaiah, but he doesn't know what he's talking about. And Philip, with the African... How does this work? The, 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 the scripture show us over and over again that the spirit is leading God's people always to the other. And here's, here's the thing that we have to consider at our church. We have to consider this, that our church has a rich tradition of worship. We have a rich tradition of worship. Like great songs have been written here and great songs are being written here. Like songs that have literally touched the world. Two of Sammy's songs have literally touched the world. They've been sung on every continent, in the vineyard and out of the vineyard. You know, Sammy's song, wonderful. It's been sung all over the world. Derek Morphew, who's a South African man, says it's the greatest, it's the greatest song of Trinitarian theology he's ever heard. It's sung, it's sung everywhere. We're, we're disproportionately blessed with great singers and musicians here. It, it's literally nuts. Uh, it actually shouldn't be here. <laughs> Somehow this thing that happened, that happens every single Sunday morning here, it's happening in the wrong place. And it's a, and it's a gift from God. It shouldn't be here. It, it's one of a couple things here at this church that I think we do really good. But here's the thing, guys. It's only one wing. Uh, the other wing is, is, is doing justice and loving mercy. And here's the thing. I'll just be honest with you. We haven't been as good as that. We're actually not good at that at all. I'll just be really honest with you. 
Uh, we're, we're pretty good at doing life and, and having community, but we're only good at having community with people who are like us. Let me just tell you, okay? We're, we're really only good at having community with people who are like us, both in skin color, economic status, and any other way you want to divide it. Uh, we haven't been as good at doing justice for the poor, building bridges with those who are really different than us. And again, I just want to say this too. This is not a guilt trip. You can be happy, you just can't be blind. And just so it's super clear, I'll own this for a minute. For the most part, leaders shape churches. That's the way it goes. Leaders shape churches. Well, I mean, you know, we can put this right at my feet. Uh, I'm a worship person. I, I love worship. I'm a musician. I'm a songwriter. And here's basically what, what I built. I built a worship church, which is good. But we can't get lift off. And right now, here's what I feel like the Spirit is saying. The Spirit is saying it's time to build something else. It's, it's like really time to build something else. And if we build this next thing, we'll get to soar. So here's some of the things we do already that, that I know are good, but they're not enough. Uh, we do a least of these offering every single month. That's really good. We can't ever stop doing it. And I know the Lord told me that, that one of the reasons he's blessed our church is because we've remembered the poor even this much. Um, uh, we support missions and church planning, and we finally got a church plant down in Bowling Green. And, we, and we've planted churches in Peru. Those are really good things, right? But I have this suspicion that God is calling us to much, much more. And let me just be super frank with you guys right now as well. Uh, we're about to pay our church off. Like in the next two months, we won't owe a single penny. We'll own it from here to heaven. You know? We're about to, we're about to own it. We're, we're going to be as free as a bird. And, and these days, I, there's not many churches who are free as a bird. And, and here's the thing. We've been really praying hard as a leadership team, like on staff and then as elders, about like, what do we do next? Let me just tell you what, what the playbook says to do next. The playbook for other pastors who are in my seat says, well, go out and find some land and build a $5 million like mega facility. And here's what, I'm, here's what, here's what I do when I hear the playbook. I die. I die. So we've been praying because we don't want to just do the playbook. We want to hear the Lord. And, and right now, we only have one word from the Lord about what to do next. The only word we have from the Lord is this. Build wider, not higher. It's build wider, but not higher. And, and part of what I hear to that, and I'm not going to define all of that, but part of what I hear in that is uh, work lower to the ground. Work lower to the ground. Who cares if anybody really thinks that the vineyard is awesome? Who cares if anybody in the world or in central Kentucky thinks that the vineyard is awesome? Who cares? We're called to work lower to the ground. Build wider, not higher. And, and we've got a few ideas right now. We haven't moved on any of them. We've got a few ideas, and I think they're good ideas. But we need to hear the Spirit. Like, I'm not, we're not just going to go do something. We're going to hear the Lord. But the one thing I know is we have to work lower to the ground. Build Wider, not higher. See, here's the thing. We're about to pay our building off, so we have a chance to put resources to work in really, really unique ways. Oh, here's the thing, guys. We could try some ideas, and they could fail, and it would be okay. We don't have a boat anchor around our neck. You know what I mean? Like, we could try something really dumb, and, and, and it, could, it could either work or not work, and it would be okay. Uh, we don't have to be super tied to efficiency and practicality. 
we, we have a chance to sow into our future of, of, of our city and, and into its people. And as we do that, I don't want to forget the poor. Um, John Wimber, who founded the vineyard back in the early 80s. Uh, John Wimber used to talk about the vineyard man. Almost nobody here knows what that means. But John Wimber would take out a sheet of paper and he would draw the vineyard man. The vineyard man was just a stick guy. You know, circle head. But he would talk about the vineyard man and he would define every part of the vineyard man. And when he drew the vineyard man, the legs on the vineyard man were worship and compassion. The vineyard can't stand without worship and compassion. Like, it's not who, it's like, it's inconsequential. It's, it's, it's impossible for us to, us to be who we are. I want to read you another passage out of Galatians. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul. We're kind of jumping into an argument here, but Paul says this in Galatians 2, verse 6. He says, uh, and the leaders of the church that he went to see, they had nothing to add to what I was preaching. By the way, their reputation as great leaders made no difference to me. God has no favorites. Instead, they saw that God had given me the responsibility for preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the other. Just as he had given Peter responsibility of preaching it to the Jews, for the same God who worked through Peter as an apostle to the Jews also worked through me as an apostle to the Gentiles. And in fact, James, Peter, and John, who were known as pillars of the church, recognized the gift of God that God had given me, and they accepted Barnabas and me as their co-workers. They encouraged us to keep preaching to the Gentiles while they continued their work with the Jews. And then verse 10. Their only suggestion was that we keep on helping the poor, which I've always been eager to do. Yeah. Preaching the gospel, it's it's worship. Worship is never just a song. Preaching the gospel is, is worship but without forgetting to help the poor. So, what do we do? Uh, here's what I think we should do. I, I, think, I think it's time for our church to pray. I think it's time for our church to pray. Again, like, I know that we've heard the Lord say, build wider and not higher. Uh, this church has never been the flashy church. It will never be the coolest thing. Like, it'll never be the biggest show, you know? And, and I don't want to. I mean... Maybe it can be, it'll have to be after I'm gone. But, but, I know that, but I know that the Lord is saying, build wider and not higher. So it's time to pray. It is time to pray. And we're about to pay this building off. And it is time for us to listen to what God might be saying. And it's time for us to give our hearts and to hear. Because I think we could do something amazing. I think we could do something really amazing. And you know what? We may have to fail three or four times before we hit the amazing. We may have to like roll the dice and try something well, that didn't work. Roll the dice and try something well, that didn't work. Roll the dice, try something well, that didn't work, and then hit. You know, you, you have to you have to drill wells, and and you, there's never a guarantee when you drill a well. You know, you do all the geology, but at the end of the day, you you have to put you have to put some some uh, an auger in the ground to see what's there. And I think the Lord is saying, put an auger in the ground. Let's let's see if we can't find that hidden vein. Let's see if we can't find that 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 reservoir that's underneath you know and um here's what i believe i I believe that that our town doesn't have to be known by by things like oppression and and drug addiction and 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 poverty i don't i don't think that has to be us you know and and i don't and i'm not so i'm not so arrogant as to believe that we're going to be the people who change it all but we can change some of it 
And here's the thing, we can't do it all. So, you know, delusions of grandeur, not here. But here's the other part. You can also be delusional for too small. And we, and, and, and we have to not do that either. We have to say we have a part. So what is our part? Well, the only way we're going to know our part is to pray. And, and like all of us, like there's a really good chance that, that me and the leadership team, we're not going to hear the whole word of the Lord. In fact, I can tell you we won't. But we can. We can't. We, we, so what do I need from you? I need you guys to pray. Lord, what is the next thing? And, 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 and here's the deal. It's not, a, it's not so much about worship. Like, like we're, in terms of the vineyard man, we got the worship leg, guys. We, you know, it's here. We've, we've got it. Uh, we've got generations of the worship leg. Now we've got to command that, that compassion leg to grow out and to get strong. You know? In a way, and, and also, and to do it, and this is the thing, to do it in a way that isn't shaming or, you know what I mean? Like, oh, you poor people, we're here to save you. Like, come on, how can we do it with, in, in, with bonds of friendship? How can we do it with bonds of friendship? How can we, what is something that we can do today and tomorrow and the next day and for 10 years? You know, I don't want to do something for six months. I want I, like, what is something we can do that is sustainable, that changes people forever? That's what I want to do. Okay. Is that good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Amen. Woo. Woo. Yeah. Amen, 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 amen. All right. Hey, if you're on the ministry team this morning, come on up. I feel the Lord. I feel the Lord. Oh, ministry professionals. Yes, yes. Love it, love it, love it. We have people who know how to pray here at the Vineyard. All right, hey, if you want to, why don't you stand up this morning? Oh, man, Lord, we love you. Lord, we just confess that we do hear you. We hear your call. And, Lord, we see your word in the Bible. And we see your word just at work in the world. And we want to join it. God, I ask that you would, uh, that you would speak your word to our church. Like even now, this morning and uh, this week and in the coming weeks, would you begin to speak your word to our church? God, would you plant in our hearts, build wider, not higher. And God, now would you also show us what that means? God, I ask that all over the room that you give us gifts of revelation, uh, ideas uh, from heaven, uh, things that are sustainable, things that actually dig down to the roots of the issue. God, would you show us places where we can scatter seed? God, as a church who's about to be debt-free, would you show us how to, to take the resources that you've given us and put them to greater work? God, we just, we, we just, we are not interested in the playbook. The typical church playbook. We are not interested in that. We want to hear from you.
And we pray this in the name of Jesus, who is moved by mercy and compassion. Amen and amen. Hey, if you need to respond to this morning's message, you can come up and get ministry. If you're sick in your body, come up and get ministry. If you just need prayer, come up and get ministry. Otherwise, give somebody a high five and a hug. Thank you again for stopping by the podcast at the Vineyard Church in Campbellsville, Kentucky. If you'd like to keep up with what's happening here at the Vineyard, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Until next time, peace to you.